another episode of Standing Room Only. I'm your host, as always, Matt. I'm here with my co-host, Jason Simmons. Jay, we're back with another episode. There's been a lot going on since we've last talked. How are things before we get into it? Yeah, I guess it has been quite a while since we last did one of these, but uh, um, no, things have been good. Been really busy. Um, the team I help out with, the junior team, um, we're done now. We, we lost in the first round of playoffs. Uh, must be management. That's what I heard. Um, but that's what I read in the local papers. Yeah, I think they're they're calling for my head. But uh, no, it was it was awesome. It was fun. It was a great first year. But uh, definitely a lot more time on my hands now. That's awesome. Yeah, you can. Uh, we can maybe both focus full time on the podcast now. Um, no, just kidding. We'll we'll still bring you episodes here and there. But um, that's always good to hear. Yeah, as I mentioned, we have a lot going on in the NHL lately. Um, I think last week was the trade deadline. A lot going on. Jay, where should we start? Uh, what moves kind of caught your eye, and what teams do you think maybe won the deadline? Yeah, I mean, I really liked uh, Pittsburgh's deadline. I, I know I always give them so much hype, and you always you don't, which I don't understand because you're such a Crosby fan. I know. But if you, they went out and got Raquel, which... Um, I mean, anyone who's watched Raquel like, knows how skilled he is, and now putting him on the wing with, I think they're going to play him with Malkin, or I think that's who he's been playing with. But, you know, Pittsburgh just adding another top six winger, just like they always do at the deadline uh, for their long cup run that they're going on this year. Is this the final ride? Do you think this is it for those veterans? Like, this is their last kind of kick at the can to win the cup? Or, or do you think they have some legs Man. left? Man, Crosby, like they look hungry, man. They look hungry. I think, I think now is like kind of their last kick at it. If that, yeah. So what you're asking, yes. I think now and next year, like your window is kind of rebuild after that. Right? Yeah, it's gonna be weird, especially for us, like seeing Pittsburgh one day at the bottom of the standings because they've been so good for probably like ten or fifteen years now. But yeah, they've tooled up. I like the Raquel move myself, but. Um, a lot of teams seem to have improved in the East. We should talk about one of the biggest movers at the deadline. I don't think this was a surprise per se, but Claude Giroux went to, where did he go? To the Panthers. Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because apparently they didn't have enough offensive firepower. But what do you think of that? Um, you know, they've been kind of near the top of the standings all year. And bringing in Giroux never really hurts a team. So do you think this would put them as the clear favorites in the East moving forward? or? Yeah, I would honestly say, so when you asked me before, you asked me who won the deadline. That's why I said Pittsburgh. But I think Florida won, you know, kind of the couple weeks leading up to the deadline. So I guess you can count that as the deadline. But um, the actual day will get to Pittsburgh. <laughs> but <laughs> Florida, they, they went out and got Giroux, who is, you know, kind of the top guy on the market um, for forwards. Um, you know, Giroux, Giroux, he's a 100-point guy in his career. Uh, one of the best playmakers in the league right now. Uh, only going to help, you know, that team get better. And then they also went out and got arguably, you know, the best defenseman in the market um, was Sherratt, who they added from Montreal. Again, before the deadline. That's, again, why I didn't say they won the deadline day. But I think you can't really argue with them not being, you know, the favorite or, you know, kind of getting the best over the last month or so because they added, again, that the top forward and the top D on the market. Yeah, no. Well, definitely semantics with them not adding them on the deadline day. We're going to count it as a, as a trade deadline move <laughs> nonetheless. But, yeah, bringing in Giroux and Sherratt are going to help a lot. 
unfortunately, during all that, for the second year in a row, Ekblad went down. I don't know how serious this injury is, but that's probably, you know, one of their, I would say, two or three most important pieces of that team. Uh, you know, he obviously was the power play guy and first line defenseman. And they said he's out for the rest of the season, but could come back or should come back in playoffs, uh, hopefully for round one. But do you think that'll like kind of take them off course? And maybe is that why they brought in Sherratt or do you think they always had their eyes on him to begin with? Well, I, I don't know how the timing worked. Like, did they get Sherratt before Ekblad got hurt or after? I think it was like almost 24 or 48 hours after like he went down with a knee injury it looked a lot worse I don't know if you saw it but it looked like he was going to be done for the year so I think they dodged a bullet there but they also probably realized like even if he comes back in the playoffs that's still a gamble that he's going to be 100% healthy and I don't know if you've looked at these standings but I don't think there's going to be a cakewalk first round matchup for them so I don't know if they had their eyes on Sherratt because, honestly, leading up to the deadline, it was all the Leafs that were kind of like in the front running to get him, I feel like. There was a lot of rumors in that sense, but um, who knows? They could have used him as a, as a placeholder for Ekblad, but then he'll also just turn into probably a top-four guy once he returns. Yeah, I think, you know, Florida, they can definitely score goals, so I think they were probably always looking to get better defensively, and I think that's what Sherratt really brings, right? Um, but losing Ekblad, like you said, I would argue he's probably maybe their most valuable player, really, because their defense is not very good. So you need him in there playing, you know, 35 minutes a night. Um, I mean, obviously, their goalies and Barkov and all that, they're important too. But if one of them goes down, you know, you have other good forwards. You have, you know, two pretty good goalies. Um, maybe not the most consistent goalies, but good goalies. You know, if you lose Ekblad and he's not able to play in round one, I think... I think they have a hard, hard time beating, you know, whoever they play uh, in that in that first round. So. Yeah, it's I, I I honestly think like the Eastern Conference playoffs this year, seeding is, you know, obviously important for home ice advantage. But from a betting perspective, they're going to be pretty even odds. Like if Florida matches up with let's say Pittsburgh or the Rangers in round one, like that's tough. Boston could even be like in the wild card spot. Who knows? We'll get into kind of the playoff race later, but couple more big moves that happened uh our hometown Leafs they're always active at the deadline day Kyle Dubas doesn't like to sit back um bringing in Mark Giordano what were your initial thoughts as a Leafs fan Jay do you think that was like a key piece they filled or maybe like just a nice to have moving forward for them this year no I I really liked it um and and along with bringing in Giordano I like them bringing in that Labushkin or whatever um, yeah, the big Russian guy, like he is, he's good, man. He's just steady back there. Like not like that. He's going to put up points good or, you know, stick handle through people, but he's so steady and just, um, you know, offers so much that they need in that kind of grit and that size. But no, I love them bringing in Giordano. Um, I think if you look back to his time with Calgary and specifically with TJ Brody, um, as pairings, as a pairing, um, Giordano was, you know, a Norris winner with Brody as a partner. And and there, people have always talked about the chemistry between those two and um, how, you know, there wasn't many pairings in the league that really rivaled those two. So, again, I think defense is something that's always been the weakest point for the Leafs, maybe that and, and depth scoring. But 
Um, I think adding a veteran who, you know, is known as one of the best shutdown guys probably for the past 18 years um, never hurts. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think whenever you can bring in an experienced veteran, especially someone like Giordano, who's the captain at Calgary, I think, last year, and then obviously was picked up in the expansion draft, it's going to be a pretty key piece to your team. And defense has always been a bit of a struggle for the Leafs. But speaking of struggles, Jay, like on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about their goaltending situation? Like Campbell's injured, Mrazek's injured again as we record this. I think he yanked his groin for about the 15th time this season last night. And um, they've been kind of relying on this third-string Swedish kid who they called out from the Marlies a couple weeks ago. Like, how many games are left? 15? Are you getting a little stressed that maybe this just could be the injury bug year for the Leafs and we could be in for another year of demise? Yeah, I mean, you know, I never was a big believer that Jack Campbell was the answer for Toronto. Um, I, I love him, like, in what I've seen, and I, it looks like, you know, the guys love him on that team, which is always a good thing to have, you know, is for your team to love your goalie. But um, I, I don't think he's the answer there. So I'm not surprised at all. Like, I'm not I'm not more uneasy about their goaltending than I was at the beginning of the year. I'm kind of still in the same boat, you know. I actually like this, what, what's his name, Chalgren or Calgren or what, however you say it. Something like that. Um, I, I like him. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not going to take him to the Stanley Cup. Like, he's not their answer either. Um, but, yeah, I think that right now, goaltending is the main reason why I don't think Toronto, this isn't the year for them. Yeah. If you're coach, GM, or just fan of the Leafs, like, we've pretty much locked a playoff spot, knock on wood. Who is, like, your nightmare first-round matchup, and who's a team that you know, kind of looking at the standings that we might line up with, you'd think would be a good matchup for the Leafs in the first round. So some teams that they could end up playing, they're probably either going to be in the wild card or the 2-3. So Boston, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. Like, which of those four would you want to play the most, <laughs> if any? And which of those four is just like, uh-oh? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, you never want to play Tampa just with, their last two seasons. I mean, Tampa's Tampa. Everyone knows how good they are. Um, they know how to win a playoff series. There's no question. They have the best goal in the league. There's no question, right? So I think obviously they would be who you do not want to see. Um, to me, I think Carolina, out of those four teams, the Leafs match up the best against. Um, you know, they're fairly similar teams in a sense. A lot of, you know, good young forwards. Um, Carolina might have a bit more depth up front. I don't know how their their secondary scoring has been this year. Um, but I, I would think Carolina's decor, you know, and goaltending. Well, that, that's one thing to, to note, too, is if it's Carolina, that's Freddie in the other net. And we all yeah. know when it comes to playoffs in Scotiabank Arena, Freddie doesn't always have the best of luck. But that being said, he would probably have a 980 save percentage and three shutouts. Uh, That's what, they, just what I was going to say. If, if they played the Leafs, he's going for three shutouts in the series, and we're just like, where the heck was that for the last five years, Freddie? But, um, yeah, it's not looking great. Like, no matchup's really that good. Uh, I guess Boston, you know, they're looking a bit weaker this year. And I mean, last night, Toronto beat Boston. Um, but, you know, you never want to play Boston, I don't think, in the playoffs. It's a hard rink to play in. Their style of hockey's perfect for playoffs. So, um, 
Yeah, I think Carolina is the team you want to play. Yeah, it's funny that we kind of peg Carolina as the team that we want to play when they've been almost first place in the league the whole season. They've made a couple runs in the playoffs the last couple of years, but that's just a testament to how strong the East is this year. But moving over, one other big deadline move we should talk about, um, also tied to the Leafs. I think this was more speculation than anything, but Fleury uh, going to Chicago or from Chicago to Minnesota and what, in my opinion, was pretty surprising because I don't know as a fan that Minnesota's number one struggle was goaltending. Like, Cam Talbot's been pretty good for them, um, but they obviously thought differently. What were your thoughts on this move? Because the West in general seems to be in a weird spot right now. You know, we mentioned in the last episode, it seems to be Colorado and then everyone else. It's just like a wasteland of teams that are just above 500 vying for seeding at this point. Um, do you think this puts them in kind of that top tier uh, heading into playoffs? Yeah, I think, honestly, I, I'm pretty excited by Minnesota. Like, I think they could actually go pretty far in the playoffs. Um, and I think this move wasn't so much of, oh, you know, Talbot's not our guy or, or he isn't our answer. Um, I think it's more so just looking at their team and, and kind of looking at, okay, we want to make a long run. We're probably going to need two, you know, quality starters um, that we can go to if we need to. That their backup that they traded to San Jose, I think, Capo Kakonin or whatever his name is. I know, I think he's a pretty good young goalie. I, th- I was pretty surprised that they traded him away. I guess it was that they just felt that if they needed to turn to him, you know, in the playoffs, they couldn't count on him. Um, and I think going and adding Flurry, you know, Flurry's Flurry, Vesna winner last year. Um, I think it's a conditional first round pick is what they got, or which is what they traded. So I think for them, it's like, you know, we have kind of not this weakness, this hole that we see could hurt us um, come playoff time. Let's go fix that. Uh, it might cost us, you know, a first this year. Uh, I, th- I don't know if that's if they win or if they make it to the finals or what the condition is. But, um, yeah, I-, I think it was a pretty good trade for them. But it could come back to hurt them if, you know, Flurry doesn't come back next year. If they lose first round, he doesn't play. Um, you-, you gave away a great, you know, probably future young player for, for a rental that didn't didn't help you too much but you know you got to take that risk no that makes sense what are your thoughts in general with free agency and the trade deadline um if you're a competing team it seems to be kind of mixed across the board you've seen some teams that were kind of in the mix for a lot of different prospects like colorado was one who a lot of people pegged shiru going there if you're the gm of you know a team competing in the nhl especially maybe it's with a franchise that hasn't maybe made a run in the past uh, few years. What are your thoughts? Are you kind of someone who thinks that like selling the farm and just going for it is kind of the right strategy or just keeping the roster you've built and trusting in your players? Because I think there's teams that have adopted both. Like you very rarely see um, Boston or someone like that make Colorado another good example of didn't make many moves at the deadline. Then you see someone like Tampa trading basically every first round pick they have to bring in players florida's another one toronto will always have a piece like what are your thoughts on that as a strategy like if you're a competing team yeah well i I think it it's easier for tampa to trade those early round picks when you know they've had such tremendous success over the last two seasons um like i think it was stamkos i saw him say like in an interview 
you know, what's that first? Like, we're not going to be around when that first comes to the organ. That player makes it to the organization, right? So he's like, we don't, we don't care about first rounders. So, I think it is, you know, it's easier for them to trade away the farm or whatever to go for a run or go for another run than it is for you know, a Minnesota like we're talking about where, you know, they got a pretty good young core group of guys and I wouldn't peg them as a contender this year. Like they might be. I mean, you know, anything can happen in playoffs, but. I don't think they'd be a favorite by any means. I think they'd probably be one of the underdogs to start um, the playoffs. So for them to go out and risk, you know, a first or a potential first, like it's a little different than Tampa. But at the end of the day, like you gotta, you gotta, like I said, you gotta risk it sometimes to win. And like I also just said, anything can happen in playoffs. So if that piece you go out and add, um, that could be the piece, you know, flurry could be the piece that takes Minnesota to the cup or, you know, win the cup. And if that happens, well then, you know, it's definitely worth it. So it's, it's a really hard kind of conversation to have unless you know kind of how it turns out. Right. Yeah. Like I think if you're looking from Tampa's perspective, the moves have worked out, but if you're a Leafs fan, you're probably kicking yourself looking back on trading Nick or a first round pick for Nick Foligno uh, to leave the team Mm -hmm. after getting booted out of the first round. So I guess hindsight's 2020 there, but I think in general, I always lean to the side of the GMs that just give a bit of a screw up mentality and go all in because I feel like their thoughts are, they're probably going to be canned anyways if this doesn't work out. So they don't have to worry about the rebuild if they trade all the picks away. But um, if you win yeah. the upside. And there. I want to, yeah. And I want to just say too, a little bit on that point, like if you look at Tampa Bay, yeah, they traded away at the deadline. Like that trade was a first, a second. For Hagel. I didn't or know was who that two was. two and yeah. whatever. For Hagel, who is having a great year, if you watch Chicago, like he's a really good player, and he brings a lot more like than just scoring. He brings a lot of you know kind of grit in that that hard nose play. Um, but the big thing is he's under control for a few years. Right. So not only did Tampa, yeah, they gave away a bit of future, but they also like got a piece that's not just a Nick Foligno where he plays you know a couple games, gets hurt, then he signs with another team in the offseason, and you get nothing from him, or a flurry who he might not go back to Minnesota. Um, they, they have him under control on a great contract that only helps their team stay competitive for, you know, a couple more years. So, man, Tampa could do a three-peat, could do a four-peat. Man, they're so good. They're so I good. know. They've actually kind of been sliding, but the more you watch Tampa, you're like, I don't know if their stars are trying, a.k.a. Kucherov. They're so tough to beat, and Vasilevsky has proven that you probably need a top five to seven goalie to win a Stanley Cup nowadays it's just such an important position in playoffs and right there it just narrows the gap down or the field down to so few teams and I don't know I think if I'm a betting man it's really tough to bet against Tampa I could see a three-peat as well they're just so strong and they clearly know the direction they're headed like they lost their entire third line and people kind of drop them down I guess back down to earth a bit, but now at the deadline, they're just retooling with different players and trading more and more future picks. But it's going to be such a fun playoffs. I'm, I haven't been this excited in a couple of years, to be honest. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, there's so many good teams. Um, and it looks like, you know, a lot of those good teams that we've been hoping for. I mean, you know, mine is kind of Nashville who's sliding in that we didn't really think they would probably be too good this year. Most of the teams that will make playoffs are teams that, you know, should and, and are, are great teams. So uh, I'm 
just like you, I'm very excited for this. Yeah. One team we have to talk about before we move on here quickly is who we labeled as probably a contender all year was Vegas. Um, They're right now, I think I just checked the standings. They're hovering around the eighth spot in the West. So they might not make playoffs. Stone's out. Uh, Robin Leonard, their goalie's out. And I think Jack Eichel tweaked his neck or something. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is just like a catastrophic season? Or do you think just they kind of had one bad thing happen after another and it's just really unlucky, but they still have a super awesome roster that will probably be competitive moving forward? Yeah, I think 100% they're going to be competitive and it's been a tough year of you know injuries. Um, I, I think they're going to be a really scary team next year. Like, if they get all those guys healthy, they have so many good pieces there that it's like you can't not have, you know, one of the top teams in the league. Um, kind of back to the other point, too, is, like, you, you, they're definitely kicking themselves that they traded Flurry to Chicago. Not only did they trade him only for a second when Chicago flipped him around for a first, but now they have Logan Thompson, I think, playing goalie for them, who I honestly couldn't tell you one thing about logan thompson no i have no idea who that is also no this trade like we talked about on the podcast and i think we we're both in consensus like always trade for the star you know who whatever team gets cycle is probably gonna win but alex tuck looks pretty darn good in buffalo on that first line and some of those prospects they traded to look like they may pan out i don't know if the cycle trade may be all that they hoped and dreamed for um, especially when he went through this like crazy neck injury and maybe already have some nagging issues with it so soon after the surgery date. Yeah, I still think like it's hard to argue it wasn't a good trade for Vegas just because like the chance to bring in a player like Eichel, um, you know, for what they gave up in a sense is you know hard and almost unheard of. Um, but I think what is happening is we're starting to see that okay, this actually wasn't that bad of a situation for Buffalo. Um, like you said, Tuck is already like one of their best players. Peyton Krebs, who was also part of that deal, um, he's playing right now for Buffalo. I was actually at the Heritage Classic game for Toronto-Buffalo that was outdoor, um, and Peyton Krebs scored two in that game, and Tuck, I think, scored one. So it was like it was kind of like everyone was laughing that they were saying, like, thanks, Eichel, and stuff like that, like all the Buffalo fans, but... Yeah, I think it's going to turn out that the Buffalo actually got a lot more for Eichel than it first seemed appear or first you know seemed. I think that's a good way to put it. Like it seemed like a bit of a fleecing at the time, but now as we've kind of seen how those prospects have panned out, it might be a bit more even. But yeah, I would still, in that sense, always take a chance on the superstar coming in. Um, and it's just a weird series of events as to why they've struggled so much right now. I hope they make the playoffs because they're kind of a fun fan base to watch in there, like with their whole spectacle of their pregame stuff. And um, obviously they have so much talent, but, you know, (laughs) could you imagine being the Avalanche and then ending up playing the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round? Like you would have never thought that was possible. No. And I think like Vegas is a team where you look at like they've really, I mean, it was tough because they're expansion team, but they haven't really looked at all for the future. Um like, they do not have much of a prospect system. They've traded away most of the good prospects that they've drafted or traded for. So, they're a team that if they don't kind of capitalize on this window, 
could be a team that could be at the bottom of the, the league for a while. Unless, you know, it's just a destination where they could always attract. That's what I think is kind of their strategy is like, let's just keep cap space there. Draft picks are overrated in Vegas. Like we're always going to have a list of players that are down to come um, just because of where they're located. And it's such a fun place to play. But yeah, it's obviously proven to be a kind of a hotspot already. And they've been in the league for like three or four years. But nonetheless, we'll see how things turn out with them. Jay, I think we should do take some time to talk about I don't even think it's mid-season awards at this point, but maybe like our early end-of-year award predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's like a clear first in any of these categories. If so, um, uh, we'll probably be in a bit of a debate about this, but let's start with MVP. I think there's probably a couple of really solid candidates. Who would you give the MVP to if the season were to end today? You know what? I want to argue this, and you're going to hate me, and you're going to shake your head, but it's what I said at the beginning of the year. Sidney Crosby has – he's been a different animal this year, and, like, there's no way that Pittsburgh should be as good as they are this year. And he – you know, that's – like we've talked about, that's kind of how I think the league and a lot of people look at MVP is almost like, okay, what team, you know, shouldn't have done as well as they did this year and, and what guy kind of contributed to that? Um, you look at the other guys in it, like McDavid and, and Matthews. Um, I mean, they're on great teams, and they're like their teams are both. I mean, Edmonton has had some ups and downs this year, so you could say McDavid for kind of bringing the team through that. But again, he's he's playing with Dreisaitl, and I know Crosby's playing with Malkin, but Crosby's been on a mission this year, and like especially since you know after the first like month and a half of the season, he's been one of the top guys in the league, and so. I would put his hat in the ring. I don't think he'll get many votes. Like I don't think he'll actually win it, but I think he should get more more uh, of a look. Hey, I actually don't disagree with that. I kind of like the Crosby prediction, and more so because I don't really know like of the superstars who I'd give it to. It's like the Edmonton, it's been a weird year, and yeah, they put up a bunch of points, but that's kind of just because McDavid and Dreisaitl feed off each other and get a ton of ice time but i think another dark horse for mvp is have you looked at the scoring standings lately jay like the league leaders and stuff yeah not like any time the last couple days but yeah no me neither and like i hadn't looked for a while and i was shocked to see johnny gaudreau and matt kachuk are fourth and sixth and points scored this year like i don't know that's a team if you look at from coming basically from I don't even know where they finished last year definitely middle of the pack to being one of the best teams in the NHL in the regular season I wouldn't hate for someone like Johnny Hockey to get some votes like I'd much rather see that than a Matthews or McDavid winning somewhere to Crosby like give it to a guy who's actually impact impacted their team instead of you know had another good year but didn't do anything necessarily special yeah and I mean it's hard to say that what they're doing isn't special because I mean Matthews has like 49 goals or whatever already but yeah it's not that special compared to what he always does right and so that's i guess it's it's a really hard fine line there because technically like the most valuable player is who is the most valuable well okay mcdavid is (laughs) but but you gotta look at yeah exactly like what we talked about like kind of how they impacted the team um you know how far they took the team more than what that team should have gone um that's kind of how i like to look at it so yeah the one dark horse I'd give is Shesterkin as well. I think mm-hmm. that's a guy who's kind of 
probably been one of the biggest influential impacts on the team. Like, I didn't think the Rangers were going to be competitive this year. Like, they have some good players and whatnot, um, but they're still super young. And we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Like, their time will come down the line, but he's kind of stepped in and been incredible. I think he is just like top two or three in all the like important goalie stats. So he's another guy too. If they keep, uh, you know, if they finish the season strong and maybe go win a round or two in the playoffs would probably end up in the top five of voting. But I think to conclude that we didn't really give any definite things, especially myself. I threw out three names and um, you threw out Sid who will probably finish about seventh or eighth in the race. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, I hope one of those guys wins it. Yeah, I think going on your point of Calgary, like I watched their game last night actually, and like that top line is so good, uh, mm-hmm. or even their just their power play. Like when they're on, like they are just zipping the puck around the ice. It's Gaudreau, um, Kachuk, Lindholm, Toffoli, and Anderson or something on the point. But like, holy, they can pass that puck around. Yeah, they're, so they're solid. Impressive. Yeah, they're gonna be a fun team in playoffs as well. They've kind mm-hmm. of flown under the radar this year for sure. Yeah. All right, moving on to Rookie of the Year. Another hotly debated topic. This doesn't seem to be a large pool of candidates to choose from, uh, but who's your Rookie of the Year right now? And I think I know what you're going to say. I want to hear yours first. Mine is not the 26-year-old who plays with two of the top 10 players in the league. Okay, so we're talking Bunting. Okay, so why why would you not would you not give it to him just because of his age, or do you not think his season was good enough? I just think that it, no, it's not so much the age thing. I just think that you could probably slot a hundred players on that line and they would perform. It's like the kid who plays Pee Wee with Connor McDavid. Like he's probably going to put up two points a game, but if he's playing on his own line, is he that valuable to the team? Like I don't know if Bunting was playing let's say second or third line minutes uh do you even know that he's having a career year like that's kind of where my debate is and the other reason is i think the cider kid from detroit has shown he's one of the best if not the best young defenseman in the league he plays power play and penalty kill minutes and he's like 20 years old also like laying guys out i don't know if you've seen some of his highlights but he's just looks like a future stud so that's who i'd go with but uh, do you have a debate against the bunting argument or no? No, no, no. I, I'm on board. I don't think bunting should get it. Um, I just wanted to hear kind of if you thought his season was actually good enough too or if it was just because of age that you don't think he should. I agree with you. Like, you know, you could put, you know, I could probably go on the wing. And I know I've said this, I think, before, but I could probably go on Matthew's wing and score a couple goals. Well, um, well, we'll leave that up for debate. Well, I think I think I could. One guy that's, like, also coming under the radar is that I don't think he's going to get it, but I just wanted to mention his name. Was that Tanner Jeannot or whatever from Nashville? Have you seen him? I think he's also an older rookie. Yeah, he's a big Saskatchewan boy. He, he'll fight anyone in the league. Yeah, yeah, he's... Uh, no, I like him. He's having a great year, but... Uh, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I've said it all year. I think Cider, you know, what he's... He looks the most, you know, NHL comfortable out of all the rookies to me. Um, especially out of the younger ones. Like you said, he's he's a huge and kind of just dominates. Um, but he's also, yeah, playing huge minutes on their power play, um, carrying, you know, the bulk of kind of the offensive load for the, their decor. Um, I think you're 100% right. He is a, he's a future stud that I think is going to be one of the better defenders in the league for a long time. 
Um, one guy that I think could win it and um, should get quite a few votes, I think, is Anton Lundell in Florida. And I know, similar to Bunting, like, you could say, okay, he plays on a great team. Um, but if you just watch him, like, he's so good defensively, too. And, like, 200-foot player. And the guys he's playing with, like, really none of them, like, you, you talk about Marchman, you talk about, you know, some of the some of their other third-line wingers, Joe Thornton sometimes. Like, he's somewhat driving those lines. Um, and they're all having, like, yeah. great years for sure. But I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with, you know, the complete game that he brings. So, I think, and I think he's quite high on the points board for rookies, so. I'd give him my vote, I think. I think you've mentioned him a few times. He, uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think he's awesome. He doesn't get a ton of love, uh, A, because not many people have been watching the Panthers, but B, they're just such a strong team. He looks like he's going to be a good young star for a long time. So, yeah, no, I think this has overall been a pretty good rookie class, and um, there seems to be a couple stars emerging uh, somewhere to last year, I guess. But um, surprise, no Trevor Zegers love i'm not a huge fan of him to be honest i'm i'm gonna put that out there right now like i think a lot of the stuff he does is unnecessary but yeah i mean it makes for entertaining hockey that's for sure yeah it's you see him try and go through the legs every game it's like okay it's not as cool if you try it 15 times before you score i guess but I, i'm surprised he hasn't got his bell rung yet one time um oh i think he like will. a veteran d-man who will step up and try and lay him out whether it's before mm-hmm. or after the whistle yeah. Yeah, and then I mean we also like like Lucas Raymond also from Detroit. Like he's I think also right at the top of the points for rookies. So you know, any of those four that we just kinda mentioned I think could and you know, could deserve to get it. Like they're all they're all having great rookie seasons. I agree. Alright, let's rip through the last two here. Who's your Vesna candidate? Jesse Urkin. I don't even think we need to talk about it. Yeah, I think me it's too. like like you said, he could be the M V P probably this year. I agree. I think the only other debate is Freddie, and I'm not fully there yet with Freddie. No, so. me neither. You look at like you look at Mrazek. He played for Carolina last year. Before he got hurt, his he was the best goalie in the league. You look at you look at him on the Leafs. Yeah. Like no, not that good. So I agree. And he hasn't proven anything in playoffs. So neither has Shesterkin. But like this is his kind of breakout year, and um, it, it's been like such a differentiator for the Rangers. So. I think he'll probably be a shoe in to win. Uh, Norris, who do you got right now um, winning that? Yeah, I think this is between two guys. Um, to me, it's between Kale McCarr and, and Roman Yossi. They're both, you know, and I want to get your opinion on who you think out of those two. I mean, you might have someone else too that you're thinking, but, you know, they're both. No, I got the same top two. Yeah, yeah, like they're both having, you know, somewhat spectacular. Well, no, not somewhat. Very spectacular. Um seasons for defensemen i think you know mccarr already has 23 or 24 goals or something like that as a defenseman which is crazy like if he gets you know over 30 goals and roman yossi's on pace right now to get 101 points or something like that which is ridiculous like you think there was a few years ago it was like almost impossible for a forward to get over 100 points and now a defenseman's doing it on a team that was not supposed to be very good this year i think Honestly, you could even put him in contention for MVP, probably. Like, he is so good, and he just dominates. i I got to give it to Yossi, in my opinion, but I definitely see how Makar, there's an argument for him. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think it's uh, 
it's gotten a lot closer. Like Yossi's last month has probably been almost at a historic pace over the last decade or so for a defenseman in terms of production. Uh, yeah, he currently has 81 points in 65 games. He's ninth in the NHL in scoring as a defenseman. And that's on a team that's really not known for scoring a lot of goals in Nashville. So I would lean him as well. But, oh my gosh, it's so tough. Like, Kale McCarr is incredible. Like, he's going to be probably win the Norris. Like, I'd put the over-under at, like, four or five times over the next ten years. Like, he's that good. Yeah, And he's going to be so lucky. Like, he has those guys around him for the next, probably his whole career, like, I don't picture Landis Cogger McKinnon going or Rantanen going anywhere for a long time. No, yeah, I, you're right. Like he's so young and so good already, and having all those guys around, like he's he's have to have such a good career. Um, honestly, looking where did he go in the draft? Like I think he was like ten. I know he didn't go. There's got to be a couple picks that teams are regretting because I don't think he went. Actually, no, he went fourth. He went fourth. Who went ahead of him? Do you remember? I'm looking now. Oh no. Um, oh no! Heiskanen was in that draft. And- Heischer, Nolan, Patrick, and Heiskanen. Four yeah. and five were Makar and Pedersen. Jeez. Yeah. Poor, poor Philly there. That's a tough look. Well, did you see that whole thing with um, who was it? Ron, Ron Hextall, Hextall, wasn't it? Yeah, and he said he said like they wanted to. Or was he the GM at the time? Someone else came out and said everyone wanted them to take. Makar first overall or did they have second overall yeah they had second second overall I think they got Patrick yeah they wanted to take Makar but um Ron Hextall was really high on Nolan Patrick that's a tough look that those those are the decisions that you live with for the rest of your career unfortunately though that those are the decisions that ruin franchises and make other franchises yeah exactly and hey we talked about this last episode but I think even in the last few weeks, if you had to pick a guy to build your franchise around starting today, Kale McCarr might be number two behind McDavid at this point. Like, he's mm-hmm. so good. Honestly, he's such a good skater. And to get, like, I was watching their game last night, and he like, he plays on the power play, like, so tight to the net. Like, he's lower than the dot. He's like a forward on their power play. Yeah. He's not a defenseman. And he's, he's just so, so fast. Just one of the best yeah. skaters. Like, you could watch him skate around all day. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. I mean, you're starting to see that, right, with our top guys. Like, all of them are unbelievable skaters. That's where the league's going to. It's it's getting away from kind of that big, physical, tough guy to the best skaters. I mean, you still got to be big and physical and tough. but Exactly. Like, does any defenseman 10 years ago go, like, he's, I think McCarr's like 5'11". Like, does any defenseman go in the top five that's 5'11"? Because he's not yeah. tough and not big. Like, it is cool to watch the game just go, like, pure skill because there there's, like, it's so much more fun watching just, like, four lines of skilled players versus kind of, you know, I, I do miss, like, the the Aki Bergs of the league and the, you know, the fights that you would see. But um, Colton Orr, that's who I was looking for, Frazier McLaren, all the good Leafs guys who would, who would drop the mitts every night. But, no, it's definitely a fun transition the league's gone down the last little while younger and faster exactly all right let's wrap this thing up with a little fantasy corner jay i think it's a good time like give the listeners a little update you know how's the league going i know you've mentioned you're in a keeper league you said i think last episode it could be a little bit of a rebuild for you but do you have any exciting updates for the fans 
Yeah, so I'm in two keepers. The one where it's like more serious, kind of. Um, well, I shouldn't say that, but it's a full keeper league, like dynasty and draft picks and everything. Um, it was a rebuilding year, but I snuck into the playoffs, and I'll tell you, I won on the last play of the night to make the playoffs. It <laughs> no was way. Matthews. It was Matthews' empty net goal with point four seconds left. So oh I have Matthews and God. I have Riley. So they both were on the ice. I think they got a goal and an assist. And the guy who I was playing had, you know, a couple. Who were they playing? Florida or something like that. They he had a couple Florida guys to get a couple minuses. So I won the week and I made the playoffs on the last play with point four seconds. So pretty fired up. But it's gonna be a tough first round for me. Did that guy rage quit the league? I I probably would have if I had to witness that. Yeah, well, it's my brother who runs the league that didn't make the playoffs because of it. So he was, I don't know. I don't know if he was too upset or, or whatnot. But. Sorry, Scotty. He's, he's been, a, uh, yeah, he's been on SRO. He's been on the standard room only. Yeah, past guest Scott Simmons. But mm-hmm. uh, that kind of makes me chuckle that he missed the playoffs. That's funny. All right, so. <laughs> People um, are going to listen to this. Uh, yeah, so who do you got as your stud, Jay? Uh, I got, well, it's tough because I had Roman Yossi as my stud. Hey, but I also have wrong. him as my Norris. Do you have he's him been, on any teams? No, don't have him on any teams, but I think he's been number one in fantasy over the last 30 days. Like He's been so good. Yeah. All right, so my stud that I have, I don't know if he's been talked about much on this podcast, to be honest. Um, I'll go with Jack Hughes. I have two, actually. So Jack Hughes, someone, he went first overall a couple years ago, but a lot of people labeled him as a bust. He kind of bunged up his shoulder for like a month halfway through the year now he's come back on fire same with new jersey like they seem like a team that could maybe make some noise next year um a lot of good young players and the second stud i have on here i'm gonna throw out dylan strome uh kind of a guy who just got in a really good situation with everything going on with chicago he's playing first line minutes and on the power play and you know pretty good if you play with kane every day uh you're gonna probably pot a couple or get a couple assists so he's been a nice fantasy surprise but um jay what do you have for your dad anyone that stick out to you yeah well first off i agree with your two um who wait who was the first one you said <laughs> jack, jack hughes yeah jack hughes agree. yeah that's who it was no but i do agree i think you know it wasn't fair for people to give him a bad rap um I think, what is he? He's only like 20 or 21. Like, he's still a kid pretty much. If you look at him, he looks like he's 13. And I think he's going to be a 50-plus goal scorer in this league. Like, he is, he has that touch to score goals. You see it, and when he does score, he gets that certain excitement that all the best goal scorers get. So, I like him. Uh, Strom, you know, another one of those guys who kind of just fell into the the right spot, like we've talked about with Bunting and and other guys. Um, But he's perfect for playing with Kane. He, uh, and on their power play, because he's big, not the best skater, but, you know, he'll go to the front of the net. He's good with his stick in tight. Um, I think, you know, he was a, th- he, what was he, a third ra- third overall, right? Right before Marner, um, Arizona picked him. And he's really bounced kind of around, not really found it. I think he's found his role and his job in Chicago, and, and uh, I think he'll run with it. He's someone who I watched a lot of with the OHL with my dad in Hamilton. Um, yeah. We, we got to he watch was always one of the best players of his age group and you know kind of lit up the world juniors just one of those guys who maybe landed in the wrong spot to start his career and kind of bounced around a bit and never got his footing but it's always good to see someone like who clearly was a stud 
mm-hmm. uh, growing up, like get an opportunity and, and perform like him, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So my dad, though, is Tyler Sagan. Somebody who, like, you know, oh. I know he's had a tough couple years, like of, I think he has shoulder surgery and stuff, but I think it was kind of all signs were pointing to him coming back and having a big year. Um, he scored. I mean, he's he's been a 40-goal scorer, I think, at least. I'm pretty sure he has been. Um, and he's got only, like, 36 points, I think, or 37 points this year. Like, I, I just think, like, for how much he's getting paid and, you know, the type of player he is, like, that is just such a brutal year. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, he, and it's on a good team, too. He's given opportunities. He yeah. just, yeah, overpaid and probably... I don't know. I I could see him struggling the next few years in the NHL. He might just not age well in the league, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you age well when you party as hard as he did, too, or does. Yeah, he he definitely had a good time, but uh, uh, the the body's had a few too many drinks and maybe hasn't hit the weight room as much as some of the younger guys in the league. But nonetheless, we won't judge on this podcast. Nope. Um, As for my dad, uh, it's not really... A household name per se but I'm gonna go with Sean Monahan. he's actually been in the news the last couple days he's getting healthy scratched and if he's not even cracking the flames lineup like that's got to be one of the worst contracts in the league right there so he was a guy they kind of like built their team around I think he was a top five pick a few years ago and never really found his footing so well he, he could be someone that gets moved but it's been brutal to watch and brutal to have him in fantasy yeah, not many people know this either, but if you look, like he had 82 points a couple years ago. I know. Which is I don't like, know what happened. I think it's like Calgary, you thrive in the top six and you just get thrown to the wayside in the bottom six, like yeah. Sam Bennett, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he could be a guy that like sneakily you could buy low on and maybe he has like another 60, 65 point year, mm-hmm. year next year somewhere else. Yeah. Call him in now, Daryl Sutter for coach of the year. Yeah, I could see it. I love Daryl Sutter, too. He's just, like, such an old-school coach, but, like, the young guys love him. Mm-hmm. There's very few of those, I feel like. Awesome. Well, is that is that what we got for the show, or, or is there anything else? That's it. I think – oh, no, I have one more thing for you because okay. we've talked about the East a lot. What – so if you had to power rank every team in the NHL right now, how many Western Conference teams would make your top ten? Because I only see one, maybe two. Top ten. Well, I mean, I would say, let me let me read out uh, the top teams that are projected to make the Easter Conference playoffs because it's basically set: Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Carolina, Rangers, Pittsburgh, Washington, and then you go to the West. So those are eight teams that are pretty darn strong. Top teams in the West right now: Colorado, Minnesota, Nashville, Calgary, L.A., Edmonton. I don't know, like, obviously Colorado's one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. But, like, are any of those teams in the West making the playoffs if they were in the Eastern Conference? I think Calgary could. I think with the team they have, um, you know, with adding to Foley, who was a really good add. They added a couple other guys at the deadline, I think, more depth pieces. But they just have, you know, they kind of have everything going for them this year. They have, you know, top five goalies, like you talked about. Um, their their decor's young but very good, um, and then obviously all the talent up front, right? So I think they would be in the, my top ten right now. But I, I think you're right. I think it would be those eight teams, 
and then Colorado and Calgary. Like, I mean, yeah. who who would you take in a series? Colorado or, or sorry, Calgary versus Pittsburgh or Calgary versus Boston? If those two series hypothetically happen, who are you taking? <sighs> it's tough. I don't know. Calgary plays. They're very... kind of near the bottom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, because that would be the first round match. I don't even right? know. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It just seems weird. I can't remember a year where I feel like there's such a discrepancy between the two conferences, but especially like usually it's the West that's strong. But this could be one of those random playoff years, kind of similar to last year, where like the best series are the first and second rounds, and there's just kind of this weird finals matchup that ends in five or six games. I could totally mm-hmm. see that happening. Yeah, like I could see a Minnesota making it to the finals somehow. And, and... just getting trounced by Tampa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're almost closing in on close to an hour. One of our longer episodes we've done, but hey, we haven't come to you guys in a little while, so it's good uh, catching up and you know talking hockey for the last little hour with you guys. Um, yeah, thanks again for listening, and make sure as always to to like and subscribe. Keep leaving reviews. I think we've had a few, so um, appreciate anyone who's done that. Uh, Jay, any last words for for the fans? No, I mean, we're getting to the really exciting time of year, so uh, we'll try and come out probably with one right before another episode right before playoffs, probably doing like a little round or uh, playoff tree prediction or anything. But uh, no, how about you, Matt? Did you do a March Madness bracket this year? Yeah, I did. It's brutal. I had Kentucky, who lost to St. Peter's in the first round in my finals, and I had uh, Gonzaga going deep, so... Nothing went right with the bracket, but um, it's been a fun tournament. I'm not uh, the biggest college basketball fan, but uh, I always watch March Madness. And um, the Final Four being, you know, this week, it seems like four awesome teams. So that's kind of what you cheer for, right? What about you? Yeah, I had, uh, I think everybody's bracket kind of got destroyed this year. It was such a crazy year for upsets. And I mean, St. Peter's making it to the Final Eight is crazy, so... Um, yeah, some of the people probably listening right now are like, what are these guys talking about? <laughs> but, uh, I had UCLA going all the way and that was just oh, because no. they were the, just cause they were the Tough Bruins. Loss. Just cause the, yeah, I just wanted the Bruins to win. Just cheer that. for the Bears. And, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I got it. Except it. for, except for Boston. I wouldn't cheer for Boston. Bruins, yeah. So. Hey, you, you know what? Speaking of brackets, we'll probably, we'll do one within the podcast and maybe place a little friendly wager on it to see who's, who's his, uh more successful this year i think that would be a fun episode to do right before the playoffs speaking of let's kind of let's what's next. do it let's do it and we'll put it up on our instagram and have the people vote whose bracket they think is is the best i like it you better not yeah. just go chalk and go uh tampa colorado finals this year no oh, man I, yeah because you know, you know me you know me i love a good hot take i'd like to see toronto in there for you that's what i would like I don't think it's Toronto this year. I really don't, but we'll see. I mean, who knows? Jack Campbell gets hot. Who knows? I know. You never know. All right. Well, that's a good spot to end the episode. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.